This is episode 69 of the Kindred Mom podcast. I am your host, Emily Sue Allen. Hi there, friends. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Kindred Mom podcast. This is the last episode of the year, and today I have a special treat in welcoming my husband on the show. And Jenny Van Winkle, one of my good friends, has known us both for a very long time. So she agreed to be in the interviewer's seat and ask us a bunch of questions to which you get some very honest and unrehearsed answers. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between my husband and myself and Jenny. And uh, it is an honest look into our lives as a married couple with seven children and just the way that he supports me in this endeavor um, running Kindred Mom and producing this podcast. And it's really pretty fun. I laughed all the way through it. It's really great to have him involved on this show. For anybody who is joining us for the first time, perhaps in this episode, this is not our normal format. Uh, typically, we have a group of moms together discussing topics that we go through over on the Kindred Mom blog. And this past season, we have been talking about celebrating motherhood. If you missed that, it would be great to go back and read some of the essays, listen to some of the podcasts. Um, and coming up, we are starting a series called the Peaceful Home Series. We have some really wonderful guests ahead, as well as some awesome Awesome things to share with you on the podcast feed as well. So stay tuned and thanks so much for listening along today. Today we have an extra special show for our listeners and I am turning over the hosting duties to Jenny Van Winkle, who many of you will remember and recognize from many other episodes. And today she's going to be doing a Q&A with my husband and myself. And so I'm also excited to welcome my sweet husband, Colby Allen. This is where you can say hello. Hello. <laughs> Okay, Jenny, your turn. You go ahead. All right. Well, it's I so. Hope ex- we don't cut, I don't hope. You, I hope we don't cut the hello and leave it. No, right. we won't. We, so, we'll, do you want me to? Do you want me to like? Just go. It's okay. all going. All right, yeah. we're just going. Okay. Well, it's so exciting to have you guys both on. It's very rare that we have, or it's never occurred ever to have a male's voice on the podcast. So this is extra special. Yep. Um, I just want to like start by uh, talking a little bit about how you guys met. Could you tell okay. us a little bit like briefly about how you met and what qualities or quirks that you found endearing in those early days? Uh, I guess I'll start. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> it was a blustery day <laughs> some number of years ago. <laughs> no, um, we met at SPU uh, where we both were going to school. Um, we actually lived on brother sister floors um, since you know SPU being conservative private school didn't have the concept of of coed floors or things like that. Uh, so we met there. You know, I saw her. I said, "I'm going to marry her," and three long hard years later, I married her. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, we um, interfaced a few times just from activities that each of our floors did together. And I was in a pretty difficult season personally, so I wasn't really looking for someone to be interested in me. And I also took myself even more seriously then than I do now, which is saying something. (laughs) And so just seeing him with all the other guys on his floor doing these fun, silly, like memory making things, I just wasn't that interested. I was like, I'm, I'm busy doing serious things over here. And yet he just continued to reach out to me, invite me to things, um, tried to get me to have a little fun and, um, It took a long time, but it did work, and now we have some fun. (laughs) So is that difficult for you, Emily, his pursuit of you? You know, it's it's such an involved story. (laughs) I mean, I I was working through a lot of personal things really unrelated to him, um, but I also was just afraid to love and be loved. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, so his pursuit of me was very flattering, and uh, I just... I didn't really know how to respond in a way that was like all love and romance. And, you know, it was, I felt like every step forward to getting to know each other a little bit more was a little more scary. And, you know, so I'd, I'd say yes, and we could go to get Krispy Kreme in a late night run, you know, from <laughs> school with a group of friends or something. But then I'd be like, oh, well, I need to cool that and not spend any time with him for a couple of days or a week or, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so I just had a lot of things to overcome personally, but it really wasn't his fault. <laughs> he was very persistent and very kind and very generous. And that's why I ultimately fell in love with him and said yes. Well, and Colby, you mentioned like right off the bat that you knew right away that she was the one for you. I mean, how did you know that she was the one for you? Was What was like the thing that drew you? I don't know. I mean, that's a hard thing to say. It, very few things of my life have I been so, you know, knowing about, you know, this the way it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. Um, but, you know, really, you know, I met her and saw her and I was like, well, I'm going to marry her. That's the one I like. <laughs> 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 That's the one I like. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I personally that. think that it really was just God put that on his heart and you know, he in very real ways intended us for each other. And I think that as we have gone through our years of marriage cuz we're at 14 and a half now, um, you know, we've discovered more and more how we complement each other, how our differences really make us stronger together and uh, just have grown to appreciate the individual differences that we have. Right. So like to talk about differences, um, being that you've been married for 14 and a half years, I'm Mm -hmm. sure that you're not the same, but maybe you are. I mean, what, in what ways are you the same and what ways are you different and how do you negotiate the differences? Well, I mean, one way we're different is I'm a guy. She's not. So that, that, that one is a, a big difference. Um, I, I mean, we're we're very very different. I think that that I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, sweetheart. That was the biggest struggle for you was, you know, I was. I, I mean, I'm so different than you. I'm into technology, sciences. I'm very compartmentalized and different parts of my life don't affect other parts of my life. You know, I can be an extrovert and an introvert at the same time, you know? Mm. And and so I think 
you know, we have a we have a lot of differences, but at the same time, I think, you know, we've been able to come together in those differences and embrace each other on on things that the one likes that the other doesn't like or, or even experienced um, and are, are definitely able to balance each other out because of that. Yeah, right. I think our differences are more in like personality and preferences for things. Um, but we, when we were really young, I mean, we got married when we were 22, 23. And it was, I mean, we were just fresh out of college, had no life experience whatsoever. At least I didn't. And, um, you know, we just had a lot to learn about ourselves as we were forming our family and, you know, getting to know what it was like to be married in the first place. And when we um, we went through this season where we did a strengths finder test, both of us for um, mm-hmm. just to kind of identify what our top strengths were, which you know, that's well before Enneagram, well before like a lot of other personality typing things that people have been doing in the last decade. <laughs> um, but I think when we went through that and realized we we share two strengths that we both have in our top five, which was news to me. One, one of them is strategic. The other is achiever. And I think we both really value excellence. We value doing things efficiently and doing them well. And so even though we might approach things differently um, in like the fine details, we really have shared goals. We have a shared mm-hmm. desire for how we want things to go. And so it's just been great to discover what that looks like on a parenting level, on a, you know, all the things that we do together as a married couple. So do you think that your your shared vision was something that you kind of fell into naturally? Or was that is that something that you've had to sort of mold and shape specifically for your family and as it grows. Do you feel like you've been like-minded from the beginning or do you feel like? (laughs) Uh, I would say that was a big struggle early on is I think Emily wanted a shared vision and all this stuff. And I'm like, let's just figure it out as we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, I don't, I don't think we, we didn't start out with a shared vision. And I think, I would say even now our, our vision is more of, you know, our goal is to be on the same page and, you know, less of, mm-hmm. you know, concrete direction for how things are going to go. Um, yeah. You know, I think having, you know, what, we have like seven children or something like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You've lost count. He does lose count, actually. <laughs> uh, you know, I think with, with our family, like, you know, it's fantastic to have vision, but at the same time, I think it's the flexibility and the willingness for both of us to be on the same page. Um, you know, as that vision grows, changes morphs through the years of, you know, our relationship together as our children grow older, as we grow with more of them, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and I, but I do think that was a bit, that was a big struggle in the beginning was, you know, Emily wanted a concrete vision. She wanted me to be a pastor and I was not a pastor. <laughs> um, I didn't want you to be a pastor. I thought I would marry a oh, pastor, okay. and I was very surprised that I married a chemist turned IT guy instead. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you give people about how to be united in your parenting? What what from your experience have you learned that you would that you would want to share with people about the importance of being united? Oh, this is super easy. Just tell them to ask mom. 
<laughs> or tell them, um, let me think about it, and then just never answer. Oh, good. No. Yeah. So the- no, I think, I, you know, I think it's for us is, is we communicate. And so, you know, we have different ways we do that, you know, talking to each other, um, you know, that, that begrudging <laughs> activity. Um, but I think the other thing is we communicate pretty well. Um, I mean, we throughout the day message, text message each other all the time of what's going on on both sides of, mm. you know, our lives of what's going on at night. So when we get home, you know, it's, it's very, very infrequently that I don't know what's going on, much to the dismay of Judah. Yeah. Um, you know, I usually know what's going on because Emily's really good about communicating that to me. And then vice versa, you know, we, we converse a lot. And so we found a communication meme mean not meme very different things although um, we do communicate by memes also <laughs> very often we communicate through memes sometimes we're falling asleep you know we, we communicate really well and you know i think what's nice is you know uh emily has been able to come towards me in that and that i'm working all day and so text messaging is a really nice way for me to communicate with her without having to take a phone call or, or do this thing or that thing you know, but at the same time, on my way home, I call her and we discuss and talk and check in with each other before I even get to the house to know what's going on. Um, you know, this happens with work stuff, but also, you know, simple things is even going to Costco. You know, we check in mm-hmm. on, you know, how Costco went so the other person's prepared for, you know, what type of situations have happened, what type of parenting needs are, are required when we get together. And that's pertinent because we go to Costco yeah. once a week. Yeah. <laughs> Costco they know once my a name. Week. <laughs> they do. Do they really know you by oh, name? Oh, they comment when we don't spend as much money as we normally do. Oh, <laughs> of course. Um, that's hilarious. So I have another question about um, kind of specifically, kind of let's talk about the amount of children that you have and your boys and girls. And I'm sure that there are a lot of listeners who know that Emily and Colby have seven kids. And um, did you guys start out thinking that you would have a big family? I mean, I didn't. Did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> so there have been several different iterations of our family planning. And it started with let's wait five years. And instead we had a baby at basically on our first anniversary <laughs> And mm-hmm. then we thought, well, let's maybe have two and then we can have a space and maybe we could have two more after a while because he was in grad school and it was just a hard time to think of having too many kids in a row. And we really enjoyed the first two when they came. I mean, it was such a bonding experience to parent together and we were really figuring out adult life in very real ways. So even though it was a lot to adjust to, it was just a really special time. It was a very healing experience for me to have kind of a nuclear family unit that was a stable, loving place. And also just, um, he's just a great dad. So it's fun to be around him when he's talking to the babies and, and squish and like um so we planned for that space and then there wasn't a space there was a surprise baby number three that was a much earlier than we expected and so really with all seven there has been some 
like I'm not quite ready to be done having babies and then we're pregnant again. Or, you know, there's a couple in there that we did plan specifically because we thought, hey, number six would be awesome. And then uh, so we planned for that and then that happened. And then number seven was not a plan and that happened. <laughs> and so it's just really um, it's been a unfolding journey as we go. I wish I could figure out how to make these kids stop happening, but I haven't yet. <laughs> Well, we've had people say all kinds of funny or sometimes rude comments like, like, do you, do you know how that happens? I was like, hmm, maybe you should explain it to me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, That's play dumb kind of thing. And sometimes that's hard fielding those those kinds of questions. If you're asking because you're genuinely curious, that's one thing. But if you're just being rude and it's not your business, then just don't say it, (laughs) you know? Right. Uh, So. So you were talking about how even with like your your couple of small kids yeah. that that felt that felt kind of like doable manageable or was it like people will say like I don't know how you can have so many kids because I'm struggling with the one or the two that yeah. I have what was the challenge for you when you had one or two kids that maybe is still a challenge with so many kids with seven kids? I think the challenges are completely different, to be honest. (laughs) Um, I think with the first baby, I didn't even know how to leave the house with the right amount of diapers and clothes and snacks. And I mean, I couldn't, I didn't even go down to the playground, which was down three flights of stairs next to our building. So it was just a learning curve for me, like no other. And I just felt overwhelmed by the whole thing. I had never really babysat kids before I had my own baby. I was one of the first of my friends to have a baby. Um, So I was really under the gun trying to learn everything as I went. And um, Colby had had a little bit more experience than I had because he has a younger sister who was born when he was about 15. So he knew a lot about taking care of babies from their practical needs standpoint and just – so for me, it was a learning curve at the beginning that was hard. And now it's really just the noise because <laughs> like, I the can noise. not deal with the constant, constant barrage of very high pitched shrieking. <laughs> so. Colby, what would you say were your most challenging? I would say that, you know, those first two or three were the most challenging kids. I feel like every kid we've added afterwards has been a lot easier. Um know the last one being the easiest because we're like well we know how to parent now um and so on but i mean i think the you know the transition from three to four is always difficult or no two to three is always difficult yeah when you move from man to zone yep defense (laughs) (laughs) about four you just kind of lose hope and you just start to acknowledge this is what it's going to be like Um, but you know i think it was i think the first two were harder for us more just because we were younger and we were just newly married and had just moved to Los Angeles from Seattle and had no family, but, you know, we figured it out, um, you know, and, and we're able to, you know, hopefully not ruin our 13 year old too bad. <laughs> She's great. She's flexible. She's awesome. But I do think part, part of us having to play things by ear and, and kind of learn as we go is our, our children are very flexible and, you know, pretty easygoing because of that. What was hard actually is benefiting us now later on in in raising them and taking care of them. So what is easier now that you have a big family? Well, I mean, we've got older kids that are helpers and I don't have to do stuff anymore. 
<laughs> I don't want to do the dishes. I've got three volunteers yeah. that didn't know they volunteered to do the dishes. Um, I think I think realistically, it's just really helpful that we do have the older one, the older three, right? They're able to help the younger kids. You know, I think with the baby having a 13 year old and a baby is nice because she can take care of the baby and hold them. You know, while I'm at the office and Emily's getting ready, or if we're both getting ready to get out of the house for some reason, you know, it's super helpful. Yeah, uh, I'd say that we're pretty sensitive about not wanting our kids to bear um, an unfair burden of things that are parenting tasks. But if it's about helping with our household things that everybody contributes to the laundry mess, everybody contributes to the dishes mess, and we can also just help take care of each other in ways like, you know, just the, the mornings when we have to leave the house and they're the number of things that have to be remembered <laughs> and, you know, the coats right. and the water bottles and the lunches and the shoes and the, you know, that has to be a team effort. And so as, as everybody has caught the vision for what needs to happen in order for us to be to class on time and that kind of thing, uh, it's just been great to see us run like a well-oiled machine and, um, at this point, I feel like I can get up and take care of myself and the baby, getting him fed and both of us dressed and, um, you know, and everybody else kind of knows what they need to do to help one or more of their other siblings um, to be ready to leave on time. So that's always really great. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> it sounds is. great to have the spread of ages and the ability level that can help out with the ones that are still learning to tie shoes, et cetera, that kind of thing. Yeah. And a couple of things I wanted to mention too, is, you know, some of our priorities from early on, which I wouldn't, I wouldn't have said we started out with the understanding of these things. Like it just kind of happened out of necessity. And now looking back, I can say it with clarity, but we have really sought to help our kids be as independent as they are developmentally ready for. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when it's time to learn to tie your shoes, like we just figure out how to get the shoe tying done. <laughs> and, um, I have a baby here that's pulling my hair and, <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I just feel like we work on um, skills for independence early on, and we just add to that as we go. And it doesn't mean that we don't ever help them. I mean, I help them all the time, and Colby's helping them with things all the time. But it's not – our help kind of comes alongside their effort in most things. And if they're not trying, then I'm not helping. And so I feel like they learn skills and gain independence in even more things as we go along. Like if this past year, that's been really crazy upside down for me. Like they have learned how to really help with getting meals on the table for everyone, not just themselves, not just, you know, like it's a team effort and mm -hmm. um, really, supporting them and teaching them each step of a process and, you know, praising them and giving them positive feedback after they've done a great job, I think goes a long way. If you were to sum up maybe like what, what piece of wisdom do you hope to impart to your children, your sons and your daughters? Like what, what is your, what is your main objective? Would you say like after you go, if you're at the end of your, of your life and you're hoping that you did your parenting job well, like what is it that you hope to, that you hope that they will have learned from you? To wash their hands after they use the bathroom. 
Yeah. Colby aims really high, so <laughs> no, there's there's just so many um, things. I think I really care that they see that their own value and the influence they have on other people. Um, we talk about this around our house a lot. It just, you know, if you come in with a bad attitude, that really affects everybody. It's it's hard to have joy and excitement and momentum and enthusiasm for things when one person is just really upsetting the whole balance of, of things. And we do have a couple characters who are more responsible for that than others. But I just think when a child understands that they are loved and they understand that they're an important part of our family, which is something that we say often, that they really do... Um, blossom into kids who are capable and really, I mean, we've seen this as we have started branching out in a, a homeschool community um, and they are around a lot of other kids, you know, in classes and stuff like that. They are befriending, actively befriending kids who are kind of outliers and not necessarily connecting well with a lot of their peers and them recognizing the, um, the influence that they have even at their ages, I think, it's something I hope that they take with them into their adult lives. Colby, do you have anything specific that you would add? No, I mean, I think this is one thing we're very together on is, you know, is all, all the things that Emily's mentioned here, um, you know, and then I think, you know, another thing that we've also been really tr trying to do is just to make sure they understand that, you know, things aren't just given to them, they're earned. And, you know, you don't mm -hmm. just get to have an iPhone at age 10, right? You have to earn an iPhone at age 10, you know, things like that. And so, right. you know, especially with a few of our older ones who have... Which I will just say, nobody has an iPhone at our house except for us, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, we do have a few that struggle with, you know, the more like, well, you know, I did A, I immediately get B, but, you know, doing task A does not warrant a B. And so, you know, just making sure there's that. And then again, encouraging them to you know, really love and care for everyone, regardless of their situation. You know, we have some of our little ones that will, you know, as Emily said, seek out kids sitting by themselves at the lunch table and go be there and be happy and loud and, you know, fun. And, and those are the, the things that, you know, we really are working on making sure that they have and that they do. I want to turn the conversation back to your partnership because you both are such wonderful people and so well suited for each other. I'm like thrilled that I was kind of around for the beginning uh, mm -hmm. of your, of your lives together. Um, I just wanted to ask you some questions and have you both answer them about your spouse. Um, so Colby, I'm going to start with you. How does Emily make your life better? Well, I mean, we don't have enough time to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I think, you know, Emily challenges me. She encourages me. She supports me in very major ways. Uh, and so, you know, I think, you know, briefly that those are just the really big things. You know, if, if I'm struggling with something, even something at work, I can call her and she'll help encourage me and help me work through it. You know, she's very supportive of, of the things that I do, both in my career and in my free time what little free time I have. Um, and, you know, I appreciate all that stuff a lot. Mm. 
And Emily, how does Colby make your life better? He is steady and he is funny. He makes me laugh. Um, he is very compassionate and a really, really devoted dad. And I think one of the things that people often ask me, like, how do you do it with so many kids? And I really don't think that life would be as good or as full of love and joy if it wasn't for such a committed partner in this process. Like he really cares that our kids feel loved, that they each feel seen and, you know, you get special time with one or the other of us that, um, you know, and I, (laughs) one of the quirks over here is that I'm like the super frugal one that never wants to spend any money. And he's like, no, we're buying new shoes. We're getting the ones with the sparkles and the lights and, you know, (laughs) and just, I think that he does a really great job of just, um, lightening the mood here like if I'm just getting really hammering down on the hard things which does need to happen um you know he's the one that flies in with the comedic relief and (laughs) just helps us all remember that we do love each other and um that we can have fun while we are doing the hard things too awesome uh, a similar thing, but maybe just like one thing is similar to what I just asked you. But what is your favorite thing about Emily Colby? Oh, I have to be appropriate, right? <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> See, I already know the answer to that question that is not appropriate. So. <laughs> uh, you had to pr- choose an appropriate one, a G-rated one, babe. We, we can come back to you if necessary. <laughs> no, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I like Emily's intensity when it comes to things she believes in. And That's well said. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly about that. Emily, what's your favorite thing about Colby? I have lots of them. I could not pick just one, but I love the way he holds my hand. We have our own special way of holding hands that nobody else, even my, I have one of my kids hey. who's tried to hold my hand that way. I'm like, nope, that's daddy's way. Only daddy's way. And I also just love his hugs. I mean, his hugs just make me feel, even if it's been a super hard day or I just feel really out of sorts. And we used to call them disappearing hugs because I was, um, when we first met, like he was just so much taller than me that if, if he hugged around like my shoulders, like my face would basically disappear <laughs> in his arms, you know? And um, so we call them disappearing hugs and they're still my favorite. Now you disappear into the beard. Yeah, that's that's how it works. Um, New places. (laughs) We did a little crowdsourcing for some of the questions that people were interested to know your opinion about. And one of the questions from our readers was, how do you find compromise when you have differing priorities or different parenting styles? Do we have different priorities? I think that sometimes we have to clarify our priorities if like something comes up and it's just not something we expected but usually we powwow about that and we'll say hey this is what's important to me what's important to you and I think we try to put the details out on the table um I know Mm -hmm. that one of probably in our first couple of years of marriage we had a couple like I don't know disagreements that happens right (laughs) and like it was 
I think at the time, like we were both really still trying to insist on our own way. Like I want to do it this way and he wanted to do it that way. And um, it felt like it had to be an either or kind of thing. And I think that we've learned that most things uh, we can figure out something that works for both of us. And does mean sometimes we make a compromise or we shift a decision or maybe we, you know, change a date on the calendar to accommodate for something. But one thing that I really appreciate is even though... (laughs) Uh, Colby likes to be spontaneous much more than I do. I like, especially because of our whole family, just we have to make a plan for like our weekend for, you know, how this evening is going to go if we have multiple errands and that kind of thing. So um, I just like being able to say what's the top priority or what's most important to you and how can we make sure that that is tended to and not forgotten. So some of these questions are going to be kind of out of order a little bit, but um in that they aren't going to always go with the one that preceded it. But um, people have wondered, myself included, like, how do you have any advice for how to have special time with each kid? I mean, given that you have a really large family, is that something that you guys put a lot of effort into? And, and or how do you... How do you make that happen? I think it probably matters to define what you mean by special time. <laughs> um, I think that kids really need a time to connect with each individual parent, um, and that makes it special, just the connection. So uh, Colby's right. really, really awesome at this. Um, maybe you can tell him what you do with the kids, but he pretty much has a kid with him all the time. <laughs> I mean, Wherever he's going, whatever he's that's doing. That's my big thing is, is you know, unless I'm doing something that they cannot do, I involve them and mm-hmm. bring them with me. I mean, I think it's a little bit easier because I've got kids that vary on ages. So, you know, if I'm going to the office to work on the weekend, I'll take an older kid to come hang out with me there, you know. But if I'm going to go run an errand, I mean, I do this all the time where I'll come home from work and ask Emily, you know, which children – you know, are good or help or helpful and take them with me to go run to the grocery store real quick. Um, so, I mean, I, I just, I guess, I mean, I just involve them with everything I'm doing. I mean, I mean, even when I go to my friend's house, I usually take one or two kids with me and, you know, take them out there and just have them be with us. And uh, I mean, it's hard now because I don't think it's, it's not a conscious decision. I just do it. I mean, I had to go to, you know, travel to the other side of the state, you know, and, my first thought is like, which kid can I take with me to be, you know, spend time with me, you know, and skip school. And, you know, I think, you know, at this point we've just done it enough that we just think like that. I think, I do think it's harder for Emily having spent all day with the kids, you know, for me having spent all day with a bunch of people at work, you know, it's a lot easier for me to say, Hey, let me go hang out with people that I actually like. But I mean, I just make them part of everything I do. And, right. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, uh, I mean, it, and it does get easier when they get older. I think it was harder when they were younger or with the younger ones to find specific things. But again, I mean, just as simple as going to the grocery store, you know, I'll take three or four kids at a time to the grocery store. Um, and everybody's always like, well, how do you do that? How do you manage three kids, six kids, seven kids? I mean, I took six kids to my work party the other day. And, you know, I think the more you do it, the more it's just, you know, it's not complicated. I just take them and, you know, they know how to behave. I mean, we have very delightful, well-behaved children, you know, when they're in public. Uh, and makes makes those decisions easier. But 
that's the big thing that I do is I just try to just include them in everything that's appropriate. Yeah. And I have a different approach because I am with them all the time. Like my special time is usually more focused on, okay, I'm going to carve out like 10 minutes and just sit here and play a board game with my son who desperately wants to play a board game with somebody. And, or my daughter who loves to make things mm. out just sit and really engage with her, like, show me what you're making and tell me the story that goes along with it. And, you know, just really give them my full attention, even there are other kids all around. I can't really do anything about that part. Um, But I think that they individually do feel seen and heard. And, um, and we've had just rare occasions where we've had to like, just you know, find care for most of the kids and take one or two of them out so we can talk about some more important stuff. But for the most part, it's a very casual, um, normal part of our everyday to single them out or in groups of two or three, which just sounds funny. Right. Um, but like that's a lot for some people and that's is. very little for you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a process. You just, I think you learn how to make it work for you and, I just think that kids, more than anything, want someone to notice them and kind of enter their world a little bit. It doesn't have to be, we went to Chuck E. Cheese and we got all these prizes. And it doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be this flashy, big deal, once a quarter thing. It can be um, just really cluing into things that they're interested in. And, you know, a lot of it is that Colby has a lot of quirky, I'll call them quirky because they're not mine, uh, interests in (laughs) music and movies and, you know, just introduces the kids to new music all the time, which they, of course, love and then listen to all the time when he's not here. (laughs) And then they'll find a new artist that he's never heard before, but it's a style of music that he likes. So they're always like, Dad, have you heard this before? And they they just share things back and forth. And so um, it's just cool. That is yeah. So, and we do donuts every weekend. Oh, that also helps. <laughs> the, the tradition, go get some donuts every weekend. Yep. It's pretty, pretty common. What is something that you, that you two do consistently that makes the biggest impact on your marriage or your family, the health of your marriage or your, the health of your family? And maybe a second way to look at that is how do you prioritize your marriage in the midst of like crazy parenthood, what looks like crazy parenthood to the outside of <laughs> all of us going seven kids. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How do you prioritize your marriage? Well, I think one thing we do is we do a, we try to very regularly do a date night in where we'll make the kids dinner and then order something and then send them downstairs to go read or, or play while, you know, we'll spend time either talking or watching something together but having, you know, a, a, a date night together with that. And I think that that's a big thing. We also really try hard to not go to bed without the other person. Oh, okay. You know, when she goes to bed, you know, if I'm working on some stuff late at night, which usually I am, uh, you know, I try to put it away. And vice versa, you know, when Emily's working on stuff for Kindred Mom and I say, I'm going to go down and read, she comes down and, you know, we talk for a little while, read, do our own thing, but are close to each other and near each other. Hmm. Uh, you know, during that time. and Yeah. And I'll say about the date night stuff too. I mean, we don't have the kind of date night that some people have when they think of date night, like they get dressed up and they go out on the town and they have like, we've done that sometimes like once or twice a year, 
Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, like we have a date night in a couple times a month, if not every week, um, depending on what's going on. And it's really just kind of a pause in the commotion of everything else. It's it's very simple, but it is togetherness. It is a chance to just say, this is on my heart. This is on my mind. This is my frustration or this is, or let's watch this show that we haven't been able to watch because we can't watch it around the kids or, you know, Um, and I think the fact that um, he prioritizes that and is just really attentive to me during that time means a lot to me. And I don't really need the fancy night out situation very often. (laughs) Well, that's cool. That was another question that somebody had was how often do you have date night, but you guys get to go on a date like date night in every week. One of of my favorite ones was just a month or two ago because we're just now entering the season where our oldest child is able to kind of hold down the fort here if we wanted to leave for an hour. And so all the kids were in bed and asleep and she was awake and he's like, Hey, let's go, you know, get smoothies and just leave the kids here. And I was like, we can do that. We can do that. And, um, you know, it was, it was really just short. It was not that much time, but it was fun. It was really spontaneous. It's definitely not something I probably would have thought of myself. And, um, I just, that's the kind of spontaneity that I enjoy that I never think to initiate. <laughs> I agree with all that. One, uh, another question is, how do you gain or maintain peace in your house? Mm. I think Colby just takes a nap <laughs> in the midst of the chaos. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's... Yes, I do. And then I grumpily yell at all of them. <laughs> well, what's funny is he'll fall asleep on the couch. So there's commotion all around, kids all around playing or playing music or whatever. And he just conks out. It's like not a big deal. He, but then he is a little bit delirious. So if somebody's just a little too loud or being a little too rowdy, he'll be like, hey, guys, calm down, <laughs> you know, or sometimes he'll say things that are nonsensical because he's really still asleep. <laughs> um, but he he does nap very often. And I think that that is peaceful for him somehow. <laughs> Specifically during the third quarter of yep. football games. Yeah, always awake that's, for the first half and the last quarter, but <laughs> not that third one. <laughs> third quarter is a good nap time. Yeah. That's good to note. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my peace honestly comes from just the relief that he gives me from the constant kid needs, which he does when he comes home from work. I can usually either retreat to the kitchen to make dinner on my own, or sometimes um, he'll take all the kids with him to go to the store or whatever errands need to be run, and I'll just have a little bit of time in my own house by myself or with just the baby. Um, for me, the noise is the bigger deal because that's what I really can't get away from when they're all here and awake. Um, so sometimes that is me going out um, on a Saturday morning to write for a few hours just in quiet. But it is definitely kind of a tag team situation. You know, one of us, if, if we're both here, one of us is kind of checked in and one of us is kind of checked out. So, um, and we just trade off. A couple other questions from our readers. Uh, one was, do you have a family motto? And if you don't, what do you think it would be? We still have to be appropriate, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hmm. No. I feel like our family motto is just get along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not complicated. We don't have any like 
real defined sayings or I would say that I often am saying, okay, it, you need to manage yourself and your things and your mess, you know, for each of the kids, I try to just get them to understand their own personal responsibility. And you know, we have a couple leaders in the ranks that want to boss everyone else around and kind of take charge of the situation. And, So um, manage yourself is kind of one of the underlying, probably not very glamorous mottos. (laughs) Um, But uh, I think also maybe not a motto, but a value is really just um, laughing a lot. I think that Mm. Colby has a lot of corny dad jokes (laughs) and (laughs) all of the kids like to play that game. And so I feel like they're always in a competition for, you know, puns or clever, quippy things. Or uh, one of our kids really giggles anytime you say the word poop or anything that's like any kind of potty humor, not vulgar, but, you know, just dorky potty humor. (laughs) So there's just a lot of laughter. I still giggle at those words, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's something you grow out of very easily. So. Yeah. <laughs> Last couple questions that I have. What is something you want your spouse to know that they may not know or that they need to be reminded of? And this isn't like a punitive, you need to be reminded to take out the garbage, <laughs> but like... like <laughs> oh, really? We're going to go there? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I meant like in a, in a, a good quality that you, that they may have forgotten about themselves that they should be reminded of. I think Colby needs to be reminded that he really is a stellar dad. He is a cut above all others and just really, really a, a great committed, uh, generous father, um, which just warms my heart because I see how he invests in our kids and, that to me is honestly a huge gift. I know that a lot of men struggle with how do they connect with their kids and how do they um, maybe take time away from work to be engaged at home. And we don't really do like 50-50 division of labor around the house or anything like we did at one time because I was like, you're going to do half the work if I'm going to have to do this work. Um, But it's as his work has become more consuming and just takes more of his time and attention, I've done more of the household things, but I just, I appreciate his investment in our family unit. And, you know, he, he does love to cook. And even though he doesn't cook meals every night of the week, I feel like he jumps in and helps whenever it's needed. And I love that he is showing, especially our sons, but really all of our kids, that being invested in your family and uh, showing up with a can-do, wonderful work ethic is a blessing to everyone in the house. So, and I guess I would I would echo the same thing for Emily. I mean, I think I see it's hard to be with the kids twenty four seven, all day long, and you know, at times, some of our children can be very all consuming with patience and. Uh, all that and you know that she's doing a good job and she's helping raise wonderful children that you know I'm more than proud to gush about both her and them all the time to anybody who will listen to me Mm -hmm. that's cool so you've had 14 and a half years of marriage if you had one piece of marriage advice to give what would it be buy your own chicken nuggets (laughs) you're gonna have to tell the whole story (laughs) if you're gonna say that oh my goodness our worst fight and our whole marriage was over one chicken nugget. And so I think 
you know, I say that jokingly, but I think that's the big thing is, you know, be honest with what you need. You know, this is the lesson my wife helped me learn, you know, is be honest with what you need uh, when you need it versus, you know, trying to be a martyr at things, you know, that that's not going to help anybody and to communicate that. And, you know, if you're not getting what you need, you know, to be, you know, very straightforward about that and not, you know, ignore that. So you're going to tell the chicken nugget story, babe? The chicken nugget story. So what were we like <laughs> less than a year into marriage at that point? I, yeah, I think probably like three uh, months. <laughs> and so. we went to go get something to uh, eat for Emily. Um, yeah. and she, I had been working all day. Yeah, she she'd ordered chicken nuggets uh, and I'd asked for one. And you would have thought that I would have killed someone by asking for a chicken nugget. <laughs> And so, no. okay. Do I get to say how the story went? Because it's no, not quite it's like my, this. My, 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 my voice okay. is working right now. So, needs to say, right. the chicken nugget story taught us for something very valuable, and we joke around about it now because it's it's such a stupid thing to get in a fight about. And it honestly, in fourteen and a half years of marriage, was our worst fight we've yeah. ever had. Ever. 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 Like, it's so funny. Uh, and I think, you know, the one thing we learned from it is, you know, you really need to be honest and open with what you need and what you desire. And that was yeah. really the struggle was, is Emily needed and desired a chicken nugget. So did I. But no, I said, all the chicken I nuggets. No, she, desired, yeah, she desired all of the chicken nuggets. <laughs> Oh, okay, so a little bit of context. I do have to tell the other half of this story. There is no other half. There is no other half. It is. No, yes, there is. <laughs> so I had been working all day, had not had lunch. We were at dinner time hour. I was so, so hungry. And so we go through this drive through to get the fast food. And he's in the driver's seat and he asked me what I want. So I told him what I want. And he said, do you think I should get he said something about, do you think that I should get some? And I was like, I just know that I just want some. So I just was speaking up for myself. And then he didn't order any for himself. I think because he thought I said he shouldn't have any or something that I did not say. But basically, I just, I was so hungry. And I had like five chicken nuggets in my little chicken nugget thing. So when he wanted one, I was like, no, get your own chicken nuggets. And, uh, and he's like, well, I don't want your chicken nugget now. If I was like, cause I was like, here, take the chicken nugget. He's like, I don't want your chicken nugget. And I'm like, just take the chicken nugget. You know, It really honestly went on for hours of hurt feelings and just all kinds of misunderstanding. And it really is true that I think that we have learned that we have to speak up for something that matters to us or that we want. Or if you're in a drive through line and you want anything off the menu, you just get what you want and don't expect someone will share with you, although he always shares with me, which so is, is the yeah, this is why really. now whenever we order anything, I always order extra. <laughs> so yes. Yeah, it's just That's so, the other anyway, bit of advice. It was a silly dumb extra. thing that we have laughed about many times since, but that's the chicken nugget story. But we learned a lot from it. I mean, we joke about it and it's funny. It is oh, ridiculous. But I think that's funny. You know, at that stage it was really defining in our marriage of like I think both on, you know, being selfish and being willing to give to the other and then also being willing to speak up for something that you need and being able to be honest about it without the other person being offended. Yeah. There's lots of stuff in there. It's it was a good 
all of our dang chicken nugget. (laughs) So that might have been circa like the basement apartment. I, I, I have past experience and kind of know where all of your yeah. residences yeah. have been over the last 14 and a oh, half years. I know that the, so the Northgate like, McDonald's. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> everything about that Oh, well, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to like take you back to that basement apartment that you had um, after you kicked me yeah. out of the apartment that we shared together. Um, and before you got married and uh, think about how you said you were 22, 23 years old when you got married. I want you to really get in your head, like what that was like for you when you were just starting out. And if you could go back in time and tell yourselves when you were first starting out, what would you, (laughs) what would you say to yourselves? (laughs) Would you, would you say like brace yourselves or like what would you what would you say for myself talking to my very immature 22 year old self I would say just don't be afraid to love don't be afraid to jump in and give all that you've got because the more that I have learned to do that without fear and to just I don't know I I think people are probably familiar with this idea that marriage isn't 50 50 it's like you give 100 percent all the time and I think as we have learned to do that, I, I know that Colby gives me 100% all the time of his love and attention. And, and I really strive to do the same. And doesn't mean that we're perfect at it by any means. But I know that for a long time there, I did hold back because I was afraid that, um, you know, I was afraid that this might not work out. Or I was afraid that, mm. you know, I... I I kind of had to look out for myself and it's only as I've learned to trust his heart for me and see that, you know, he is doing every bit as much of the giving. <laughs> it's not just me. Um, you know, I think that giving a hundred percent when that happens, both directions, that's when you have a strong marriage happening. And, um, you know, part of giving a hundred percent is it's a little out of your comfort zone. It's a little bit, feels a little bit reckless in a way because you're not necessarily trying to manage your risk or, you know, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but it just, I would just tell myself to not be afraid. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think, I think mine's similar. I mean, I think it's more of, you know, don't be afraid, but more on, you know, I think you struggle with, you know, am I worthy of this person's love and all that stuff. And just to, you know, reiterate that, you know, she, she chose to marry, marry you. She said, yes, you know, you don't need to be afraid of these things. Right. Uh, you know, you don't need to be afraid to share your opinion and also disagree. I mean, I think in the beginning we were both very scared to disagree with each other and there's, there's no oh, need yeah. for that. I mean, just I, really, I had to work for three years at it doesn't mean that she's going to just ignore all that. Yeah, I just I really do love that we're at a point now that we can completely disagree about something and it is not a threat to our care or our love for each other. Like I might say, I really don't like that idea. And this is why if that's what we decide to do, I'll support you. You know, it's it kind of just is a it's a very vulnerable place to 
make as many decisions as we have to make all the time for our large family and for ourselves and building trust and growing confidence in one another that we really, even if we don't agree, we still do have the same desires in mind as far as wanting the best for each other. And I feel like when, when you can rely on that and you can go on that, even if, you know, it's usually like he would like to do something and I'm like, I'm not sure. I'm scared. <laughs> you know, it's, um, right. you know, that I just have, I, I love that we get to a place where everyone is free to say what is important to them or what they're nervous about or what their concerns are. And that can all be part of the conversation without it being a threat. That's just to me, like the example of a very healthy relationship that everyone would want to strive for is being able to be free to be themselves and know that they are accepted for who they are. I just think that that's wonderful. And it's been so much fun to have a conversation with the both of you. And I just appreciate your openness, being able to share about your family and your relationship with the, all of our readers and for Colby's willingness to jump on and be the first male yeah. on first <laughs> the podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's wonderful. You guys have, you guys have so much love for each other and it's so clear in your answers for, you know, the answers to these questions. I'm glad to be your friend. Well, That's all I have to say. I'm glad to be your friend. Anything you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to say, babe? No, I finished my beer a while ago, so <laughs> that. All right, great. Great.